0: Ah, the smell of perfect pizza. The carpet of wet leaves on the sidewalk. Ambulances and traffic running 24 seven. Intimidatingly fashionable outerwear. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world and there's no better time to be there than the fall. I mean, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Come on. And how much more beautiful will all of our cities be when they're perfected in the love and the grace of God? But how shall they know about his grace unless someone tells them? What better place, what better time to come and refresh yourself on the art and craft of preaching than New York in November? Register now for Preaching in a Post-Christian Age. This is a three-day Living Church conference in the heart of Manhattan where you can enjoy world-class keynotes, conversations with experts, warm fellowship with other Christian leaders, and hone your skills as a preacher of God's word. And we might have dinner at a speakeasy, just saying. Tickets start at just 50 bucks. Find more information at livingchurch.org forward slash events or click the link in the show notes today.
1: unzip that monogrammed faux leather bible carrying case and cover pull up a chair and let's dig in well jake it is definitely pumpkin spice latte season this is our first october episode of same old song for 2023 so it's sweater weather out there but but and uh before we get to that though how are you
2: Good, I'm good. You're right. We are knee-deep in uh, pumpkin spice latte season, and uh, I don't know what the weather's like in Texas, but it it has cooled off here. I mean, we had like four days of rain straight. I've never seen it rain so much, and and I always pray over my church when that happens, because, you know... Sometimes we get little drips, and those aren't virgin tears; those are raindrops. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, we're doing great, and so, and uh, here we are. And for many of you, it's stewardship season, and uh, so um, the the calendar has filled up, and uh, and uh, we are in a full sprint towards Christmas.
1: That's right, man. I uh, I came home yesterday. My son asked me how my day was, and I was telling about my day, and um, and. Uh, and how busy it was and he said but soon it's coming to the fun part of church i was like what's that he's like christmas i was like oh i love that you said that uh and and he really seemed to, to mean it and i said but you know it's always i actually do believe this I, I wasn't kidding when i told him like i i was like it's always fun at church you know i i love my job and i think you do too jake we wouldn't be in it for this long if we didn't love it and uh was a little moment to reflect, and I hope uh, I hope listeners find their jobs meaningful, rewarding. There's always these press, you know, a lot of stories about how you know every preacher, you know, three out of four preachers want to quit their job or whatnot. But uh, there are some of us that yes, it's busy, but we do actually love it, and I hope that's hope that's for our listeners. And uh, if you're a layperson, pray for your preacher, and if you're a preacher, know that we pray for you. And uh, we hope that same old song makes your life a little bit easier. Just uh, Even if you're not preaching this Sunday, that that there's some encouragement there for you. So, on that note, as we head to um, the uh, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, uh, Proper 22, we have um, these readings. We're doing Track 2: Isaiah 5: 1 through 7, Philippians 3: 4b through 14, uh, Matthew 21: 33 through 46. By the way, I think I'm going to be preaching on Philippians if anybody cares, but. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Anyways, uh, yeah. So Isaiah, Philippians, Matthew, and let's kick it off here with Isaiah singing a song for his beloved, um, and uh, in this vineyard. So we've got uh, these kind of bookended stories with Matthew. We're going to have a vineyard as well. Mm -hmm. So we begin with a vineyard in Isaiah, um, and -hmm. it's all about my my beloved had this vineyard, and the beloved is yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, I mean it's 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 awesome. It's like this. Uh, When you're looking at this text, you know, you might want to go back and think about, you know, sort of how the prophets have taught in the past and the prophets, the idea and the concept of parables, I mean, it, it begins with Jesus and Jesus teaches in parables in order to fulfill what the prophets teach. But this is how the prophets of old taught. So What's happening here is kind of similar to the way Nathan the prophet dealt with King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so, uh, you know, he, uh, he tells this amazing story and David gets captivated by the parable, failing to realize that the parable is actually about him. And so um, this, this uh, parable opens up and it's like, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure everybody there, this is probably, you know, um, some sort of uh, harvest told around a harvest festival or something like that. But everybody leans in and they want to hear about this vineyard and what this is all about. And this story is going to take a very, very interesting turn. This is a, a parable about judgment.
1: Yeah, I feel like this song, it begins a little bit like a hauling out song or like, <laughs> I don't know, some like Belinda Carlisle. Like yeah. love is in your eyes, etc., and then it turns into Icelandic death metal. <laughs> and what did you expect it to yield? You are great. <laughs> like it just totally turns, and uh, you know, um, it, it's it's this. I love you. you is you know the people of Israel, the people of God, Jerusalem, Judah. I get Jerusalem, weak Judah. when I
2: look in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, is that that's <laughs> right.
1: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, don't stop. No, Jake, don't stop. And then. Uh, and then but then it turns and it's like, now I'm gonna tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. Yeah. Remove its head like basically I'm taking down all the protection, it's gonna be laid to waste and
2: I love it. Uh, it lays right here. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I've not done for it? You know? Yeah. When I expected and, it, it to yield grapes, it yielded wild grapes. And for those of you just who don't to know, know, you can't make wine out of wild you can't make wine out of wild grapes.
1: Yeah, Jake tried. Didn't work. He no. was sick for days. The other thing that I would <laughs> it's an say is laxative, though. <laughs> for some reason, come on, come on. I'm, I was going to say bring it back, but I I want to say something that's going to be sort of funny. Um, this is one of these passages where it's like, come on, Bible translators. Um, if this if it happens to be Youth Sunday at your parish and you have a middle schooler reading this passage, please do not assign this passage to them because it has the verb hoed in it, like to hoe like the farming, <laughs> yeah. uh, practice of removing weeds, but it says it will be neither pruned nor hoed. And I just, um, I just want to save you that embarrassment for some, somebody giggling, breaking out in the giggles in church. Uh, thou shalt not giggle in church. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, the, you know, if you were preaching this passage as, as we, you were talking about in the, in the pre, in the, the pre recording, uh, banter that you and I have, like this is judgment. Um, and i think you know one of the things that's important to talk about because when people hear a passage on judgment i think they get um you know <laughs> they feel judged they feel like oh this is the mean god this is the god i've heard about or whatever um and i think it's important to note that what god is talking about here is the people of israel have turned into folks who are bloodthirsty he said he expected justice but saw bloodshed what that means is when When you expect there to be a a society where uh, weak people are protected, where people don't exploit each other and use power imbalances to like make themselves richer than other people, like you know. All the things that we might hate if we were to see them in a society, a corrupt police force. You know, I just read the story. It finally came out, Jake. I'm sure you know about this. Um, Jake is the whiter of the two hosts of Same Old Song, but he studied the history of Mexico. So, he followed – like, you know, if you want to know anything about a cartel or like who was president of Mexico in 1923, ask Jacob Smith. But if you um, you follow the story about – there was some a busload of like 40 college students in Mexico that were all slaughtered and buried by a drug cartel. And it just came out that basically the entire police force of that state was it was, was totally on the, that, on the yeah. payroll. Mm-hmm. And basically the drug cartel thought it was a bus full of people smuggling drugs from one of the enemy cartels. And they just had them all killed. But they were just like sociology majors and stuff. So that if you hate that kind of injustice or if you hate the kind of stuff that happens, you know, there's plenty of injustice in the American uh, justice system. Um, if you hate... Um, genocide like all these things that you think are make the world terrible human trafficking etc like that's not what god wants god wants justice but almost everywhere God looks, he sees bloodshed, and he looks at his own people, where he'd hoped there'd be righteousness, but here's a cry, and not the cry of, like, I stubbed my toe, but the cry of the poor, the cry of the oppressed, and so the, God wants his community of people to be a community where there is love, and justice, and right. respect, and dignity, and uh, flourishing, and yeah. for all people, and that's not what's going on, so don't see this as like God being a total buzzkill and a rain on their parade because, you know, these people didn't go to church enough or something, um, you know, God's always at there to ruin your fun this is i made this vineyard to be a beautiful thing for the world and a beautiful people for the people that are in it but instead they've made it a place of pain and injustice and anxiety and uh, all of and alienation and all this and so what happens when a society is like that is the society collapses so this is using theological language to talk about what happens when you make a place about death and exploitation like this is what happens
2: and you know what's really interesting is is that um because yeah that's a very very important point aaron you make is that um, this is not Yahweh's fault. Yahweh did everything, and he expected um, he expected a, a harvest of justice and righteousness. And what he got instead was bloodshed, and yeah. um, anguish, and injustice. He got he got a cartel, you know. He got indifference in the streets. Uh, he got all of these things. And so, um, but Yahweh had did everything, and this was. Uh, this was what was expected in return. This was part of their covenant relationship. Um, the the key here, though, so how do you preach the gospel in this particular text? Because there's Zilcho in it hardly at all, you know. Um, right. But uh, is that basically what happens? Is is that um, the judgment? So this this passage takes place. Um, This is written during uh, the 8th century B.C., if you look at the timeline. And uh, actually, the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, and the exile of its inhabitants, won't take place until the 6th century, around 587 B.C. So you have almost like two centuries that take place where there is a call to repentance. And as we read, uh, you know, about Jonah and and, uh, the worm, you know what I mean? And uh, God is merciful and he's merciful to Nineveh. And uh, God is merciful to those who repent. And so I think the way to kind of preach this text on one level is to ultimately draw, draw, um, so I will, so the one thing is, is that like unrighteous people, when the crap usually hits the fan, blame God for everything. That was the point. Yahweh's done everything to make this thing perfect. They, but unrighteous people will always blame God and resent him all the more. And so yeah. um, but uh, the point of this passage is you have almost two centuries between this and the in the exile. And as St. Peter says, do not consider God slow as some count slowness, but he is patient and kind, wishing that no one would perish. And so in this in between time, you know, we have been given the gospel and the spirit uh, where um, unrighteous, unjust people are made righteous and are made just Uh, by faith and clinging to the work of the cross of Jesus, who's made us righteous and whole on our own. And so really, that is the point in this time. You know, in the midst of our suffering and struggles, it's really easy to shake our fist up at God and say, how dare you? You know what I mean? But it's another thing. I mean, like this prophet Isaiah, when he walked into the throne room of God during the reign of King Uzziah and saw... The holy God his response wasn't like screw you and screw those people over there It was like I'm a man of unclean lips And so what the vineyard does what it should draw us to in the time span between this judgment this pronouncement and its ultimate judgment uh, Should uh, lead us to realize that God is gracious and that he's calling all people to repentance and faith in his son Jesus
1: Yeah, God uh... Loves people too much to just sort of ignore when they're destroying each other and hurting each other, Um, and it's sort of an intervention kind of situation here with the invitation to to repent and return to wholeness. Yeah,
2: I mean that's that's one thing, and that's something that lines up with all of these readings. um, Is that you know we think that we think that our story is our own. You know what I mean, and Mm -hmm. this is like the sad thing in both. I mean, in both the church and outside of the church. This is one of the tragedies that like liberal Protestantism has unleashed on the world is that we think that our story is our own and your story is not your own. Um, You are not your own, you're not an individual and uh, on your own just floating in the universe to create and be whoever you want. Uh, There is a loving God who is ordering and orchestrating your life uh, for your ultimate good and his glory. Amen. Uh, and I think um,
1: the other thing to note, too, is that this word of repentance is preached. It's not really heated over and over and again. And then, of course, God never abandons and then ultimately God sends his son, Jesus Christ uh, and um, dies for the to whole be- world. Yeah, to be in the, you know, this this whole judgment, the way it's described, and I think this is important. Never, I would never preach. Well, first of all, I would never preach and not somehow talk about the cross of yeah, Christ, because otherwise, course. what are we doing here? But um, the uh, all of this judgment, in its dramatic and powerful language, this is what happens to Jesus Christ on the cross. Like he is the one that that um that he is the 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 judge who is judged in our place, mm-hmm. um, uh, he is. You know, he's outside the city walls of Jerusalem. <laughs> you know, he's outside that protected place of the of the people of God, and um, and he has the judgment uh, uh, on him. Uh, ah. That's the that's the love of God. So ultimately, this word that God preaches, God Himself is on the the receiving end of this. Yeah, and, for the sake of His people,
2: and that's why ultimately, like when you talk about the love of God. Stanley Hauerwas uh, said this at Radvo, and shout out to Stanley Hauerwas. He said, never trust anyone who says they love you without any skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And so when the church is just like love, love, love for the sake of love, it comes across as an empty gong, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this is, but but the, the love that the church proclaims to the world does have skin in the game, you know. It, mm-hmm. it came and took on flesh and laid its life, laid his life down for you. And so, this is why when we uh, when we speak of these things, uh, it always has to be rooted in the one who has bore all of our sins. And this is Paul's point as he he begins to speak to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter three.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, By the way, Brene Brown said when she first started coming back to church after a long absence, she visited some places, but she turned around and didn't go back to those places because she said uh, there wasn't enough blood on the floor, meaning (laughs) um, she wanted a place that dealt with the reality of human suffering and injustice in the world and a God who cared about that, not just rainbows and unicorns. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Philippians, if anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of... Calvary St. George's uh, in New York City, um, <laughs> hanging out with yeah. Aaron
2: Zimmerman. So, that's but right, I'm...
1: Waco, Texas. So this, yeah, is, this is
2: St. Uh, Paul's resume.
1: That's right, and he's amazing. You know, he's he's one of the people that, even despite the Jewish diaspora, knows what tribe he's a part of. He's <laughs> yeah, the tribe of Benjamin. Right. He a Hebrew of Hebrews, which is likely an indication that he grew up speaking Hebrew, or at least mm-hmm. exactly um, it was right. spoken in his home. It wasn't just that he was. Um, one of these uh, Hellenized, meaning meaning uh, became more like a Greek Jew, like you know, Jew in name only, but really was sort of essentially a Greek yeah. person. He was a um, he was
2: Monteball soup in all.
1: Yep, yep, <laughs> full on. Um, uh, Margie Taylor Green recently, I saw this. I don't know if it's <laughs> true. I shouldn't say that because some somebody probably like faked this and post. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, don't even like bring
2: a, it up. Because was It was, like, that a, way it was like a
1: happy Yom Kippur or something. I had a picture of a menorah on it, so it wasn't it wasn't that. Um Paul knew his stuff. He knew what he was talking about. Um and uh, he was a, a Pharisee, meaning he was a part of a, a religious – essentially a religious order in Judaism that really took all the Jewish law, the Torah, very seriously. He knew his text. And he even goes to point out that he was so zealous for the for the um, people of Israel that he persecuted the church, the, the early Christian movement. Um, and he says uh, – and that's why, by the way, after he became a Christian, the church didn't trust him for a long time. They just were like, no, no um, – <laughs> no thank you paul we 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 don't quite trust you yet so um but he says whatever gains that he had from that he now calls them a loss because of christ um all his advances all his achievements all of his religiosity all of that and um this is he he regards them as rubbish he says this is one of the this it's a vulgar word in greek and it actually means uh, the s word in english um uh, sugar donuts and uh, and he says it's all the the only thing that he count that he thinks is important now is that I may gain Christ and be found in Him and this is when I said earlier what I want to preach on this is what I think many people forget in the church um, and outside the church because Christianity is so often um, associated with judgmentalness and that means that we think it's our job to police the behavior of other people both inside and outside the church um, that Christianity is about being a good person on some level and paul says here that's not what it's about it's having a righteousness from god not one of my own that comes in law but one that comes through faith in christ it's righteousness that's given as a gift it's outside of you it's the um the, the you know as the reformer said the alien righteousness um this is not what you bring to the table This is what God gives you as a gift. So for the Christian, their righteousness is a gift. It's not something that is their own resume. Paul says, my resume is trash. He put my resume in the shredder uh, and then burn the shredder and then drop the ashes into the bottom of the sea. Like the only thing on my resume is that I have have gained Christ. I'm found in him and my righteousness is not my own. So this is – that's the kind of stuff that I want to talk about, like the – uh, because so many people have so much self-loathing, have so much feeling of inadequacy, and so much insecurity, and, and in the church, what I want, you know, we tell people you're loved. It's like, no, let me explain to you what that means. Like, y- you have been given the righteousness of Christ and um, this great gift of love. Um, and any parent understands this when you look at your child and they have, um, you know, really made a huge mistake. Um, a, a good parent will look at them and will um, love them beyond their actions, apart from their actions. Um, and so that's, that's a very small, um, human example of a a very big thing that happens on a divine level. Um, uh, your belovedness is not something that you have earned and, and therefore can never lose because it's a gift.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, and the other thing is, is that the love is already totally given. That is the thing. So that that makes sense of what now that I've not that I've already obtained this or I've already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Right, it's already been done. It's done, and so this this becomes. He's not earning anything for God. It is like this amazing gift has begun, has already been given it to him, and so. Um, he presses on towards the goal, um, which is Jesus. So the goal has been given, and because the goal has already been given, we press on towards the goal, which is Jesus Christ and His great mercy yeah. love for us.
1: And that's so important because I think so many people just memorize this last part of yes. Philippians. You know, it, it is kind of the memory verse. Mm-hmm. This is one thing, like in, 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 in some youth groups, it's like this is like the, the rah rah call, like we press on towards the goal, like, um, and. Uh, And it it makes it sound like it's something that you do in your own strength and in your own effort and can feel very much like Mm -hmm. something you're doing in order to make God happy. But it forgets the whole first part, which is you, you can only press on because you know it's already all been given to you. You can only press on because you know you're, you've already reached the destination in mm. some sense. You're, you know, it's, it's our, the, 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 it is finished. The game is done. You, you know who the winner is before before um, you know, the coin toss. So uh, that's, if you're scared of God not being happy with you, you tend to not press on. You, you tend to hide and shrink back. Um, but if you know that you're loved, then you can press on towards the goal. The confidence and the joy that is in verse 14 comes only because of what is true in verses uh, 9 and, and 10. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's Philippians chapter 3. Should yeah. we head on to St. Matthew, the I'm evangelist? Good. No, I'm just kidding. Chapter 21, yeah. chapter 21, 33 through 46. So this is I'm Jesus cool drawing cool. the same. <laughs> no, I'm cool. Let's just call it a day. Preachers, you're on your own for Matthew. No, uh, if here's Jesus drawing directly <laughs> on the imagery from Isaiah five. There's a there's a vineyard uh, planted by a landowner, and it's and and just like before, like the landowner who plants the vineyard is God, um, and uh, he gets it all set up. It's great. And he leases it and um, goes out to another country, and he keeps sending uh, these servants to go back and collect the the harvest. And every time he does it, they kill these servants and. Uh, and then finally, he sends his son, thinking, "Oh, they'll be nice to the son." But of course, they they don't. They they kill him. Um, and so Jesus says, "Now, when the owner finally shows up, what do you think he'll do to the tenants?" And the answer in the crowd there's, well, "Oh, they'll 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 he'll kill them, uh, and he'll find some better tenants." And this is a whole thing about. Um, uh, God sending the prophets to invite His people to repentance, just like what happened in Isaiah chapter five, um, and He He kept sending tenants, kept sending tenant, or kept sending um, uh, prophets, kept sending prophets, uh, but people really didn't listen. And now He sent His Son, and people don't want to listen to Him again. This is a this is a parable. Um, again, with your earlier point, Jacob, of like God giving people time to repent, God mm-hmm. wanting people to see the truth, um, and and isn't that the same for you, listener and uh, preacher? Like people in your life. Um, people you love, you want them to see the truth. You can see where they're about to drive off a cliff and you want them to see that they're headed straight for the cliff and you want to give them warning, you want to tell them. So Jesus is trying to say, look, I'm God wants to bring you home. God wants to bring you back. God wants you to embrace the, um, the truth of his you know this message that i'm preaching of, of grace for the sinner and love for the outcasts and all that um and so this is a parable designed to wake people up and so it's told in this very kind of striking um violent way in a sense you know uh, Planner o'connor talks about violence being this thing that kind of wakes up a sleeping world and that's uh, that's what he's um that's what he's getting at um and i, I it's it's a hard thing to preach that's i mean that's why I said I'm probably gonna preach on the Philippians passage. But if you were gonna preach this, Jake, is there something you would want to say, or just anything in general you would want to say about this about this text?
2: Uh I mean this is the same thing as what Isaiah is doing, you know, and it's the same basically the same point is that uh um it is not that God has ever like just kind of it's not that God has not said anything, God has not called us and called us back. And I think Ultimately, on one level, I mean, what's so shocking about this particular particular passage in the parable is is that um, is that you ultimately see like the hardened human heart being accentuated here, and um, but the because the entire Old Testament, the entire Jewish scriptures were built upon who Jesus was and what he had come to do, and um, and this is being rejected but it's in this act of rejection, you know, um, he he who knew no sin becoming sin so that we might uh, become the righteousness of God. It's in this act of rejection that ultimately, the entire world is saved. And this is why he t- he quotes from the scripture. Have you never read the scripture? The stones that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And if you know anything about temple masonry, um, the cornerstones are what um, they either they hold the arches together. They're big and they hold the arches together. And so, but this cornerstone has been rejected so that the entire kind of religious system might fall apart and come crumbling down. And just in case you thought it was their doing, it was the Lord's doing, and it's amazing in our eyes, and it's amazing in our eyes because in the rejection of the whole world, in the rejection of Jesus, the entire world is saved, and as now he becomes the glorious cornerstone of a new temple by which we're all being built up as living stones. And so for those of us who know our deep need for Jesus, uh, it is marvelous and amazing in our eyes. But for those who seek to do it on their own and uh, want to uh, point out the faults of others and uh, you know, want to stand on some sort of self-made, man-made righteousness, uh, well, it is just enraging. And you, like the Pharisees yourself, will figure out a way to uh, reject Jesus. But the powerful thing is, is that in the rejection The system that we call religion comes crumbling down. And man, uh, the Lord does this new thing in which he develops a relationship with you outside of the law through the gospel with his son, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important also to to realize that uh, just in its context, like there are so many Pharisees that come to faith. I think we've seen them as like this monolithic bad guy you know the way often these passages get preached i know you'd um, want to be a,
2: you'd want pharisees in your church because they gave especially during. <laughs> well you think about
1: you think about um nicodemus who is the one who has that conversation with jesus in john chapter three uh and is a pharisee and ends up coming to faith you think about joseph of arimathea and you think about paul himself so So I think it's important to note that um, this is not, this passage and passages like it sometimes get really woefully interpreted in a way that is sometimes just very subtly anti-Semitic, sometimes explicitly anti-Semitic. And so it's just important to say that um, there are plenty of Pharisees and people of Israel who put their faith in Christ. I mean, that's what happens on the day of Pentecost, uh, by the way. So those are all uh, Jews from the Diaspora who've come to Jerusalem for that great feast. Uh, so I think it's just important to note that God is is, is in Christ here saying I'm taking something away from people who have rejected the love and grace of God um, regardless of their category and uh, and I'm and I want people who are open to the grace and love of God and this message that Christ is preaching um, and to receiving the gift of righteousness from him as opposed to their own and who wants to give that gift to the people who will receive it and note also i think the compassion and um craziness of god that he will send like jesus tells the story knowing full well what will happen to him jesus um enacts his incarnate ministry on earth knowing full well what would have happened to him the godhead the triune godhead knows what will happen um knows the whole thing um and yet this is the love of god um god does not have this sort of attitude of i'm gonna look out for number one like mm, jesus not, let's not go down there and because uh, you know what they'll do to you um this is the love of god that extends so far um that he's that he's willing um to be the rejected cornerstone that will then become um you know the chief the chief stone. So, uh, I think that'll do it for this, um, October, uh, set of readings. Um, uh, proper 22, uh, for Sunday, October 2nd. Uh, sorry. What is it? No, October 8th. And, um, which for us will be second, our second Pentecost, our second, uh, stewardship Sunday. So for you, we praying for all of you congregations and your stewardship times, but no matter what, um, preach the gospel and the love of God who um, will go to the ends of the earth for you
2: Somebody's looking, somebody cares somebody wonders what you're doing today you know we
0: crucified him, buried him but three days later well, the stone got rolled away
1: yes, thanks for listening to same old song hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.